you're listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Here's your host, Randy Wilson. Hello and welcome to Rock Bottom Country Club. Today will be a special show where our topic is the noise and how to minimize its effect on your life. The noise of modern life makes stress worse and stress makes everything else worse. So here are a few techniques that we here at Rock Bottom use to, excuse me folks, Hey, go away. Go away, we're closed. Where was I now? Oh yeah, I was about to tell you about several of the techniques that we use to suppress the noise and reduce the stress in our go away. I swear, what is wrong with people? Oh, before I forget, this edition of Rock Bottom Radio is brought to you by Vinyl Guard for Golf. Be sure and check out Vinyl Guard for Golf, one of our most favoritest products for golf maintenance ever. Especially when... Dude, oh my gosh, what is your problem? Open the door, I want to play golf. Well, go ahead, nobody's stopping you. I need a golf cart. I don't think so, you look plenty healthy to me. Just go walk nine. How am I supposed to carry my bag? On your back. Or take a pull cart. But I got other stuff, like, like my rain suits and my energy bars and my range finders and uh, 24 bud lights. You better hope Mama didn't hear that. Beer coolers are illegal at rock bottom. You could end up with a beer enema. All right. Where's the pull carts? Look in the cart barn. And take some of that crap out of your bag. You don't need all that mess. You only need about seven clubs anyway. Okay, I'm sorry about that, y'all. Golfers can be so single-minded. So anyway... Let's talk about the noise and... You ain't gonna believe what I just saw. Fella carrying his bag toward the first tee, and he's dragging a pull cart, too. Something's wrong with him. Can he not figure out what a pull cart is for? Apparently not. He thinks it's to carry a case of beer. Dead, burn, no count, miserable... What's wrong, Mama? Who you shooting at? That's the third timber rattler hiding in the wood pile this year. Mama, you can't shoot timber rattlers. They's an endangered species. Darn right they in danger. Maybe they'll get the message now. No, what Ludell means you is... You looking to be in danger too? No, ma'am. How about you? Uh, no, no, uh, not the least. Now, I thought you was going to write me a cowboy western radio show. Doing that right now, Mama. All right, then. Hurry up. Hey, before you get too deep in the radio show, how about helping me out? Fine. What do you need? I'm studying for my final exam in turf genetics class. Going to get me a PhD. And I need somebody to help me study. Here, test me on page 40. What is this, science vocabulary? Uh, just work with me, darn it. Okay, okay. Give me a second here. Okay. What is corpuscular? Oh, it's a big marine that lifts weights. Right. Define taxonomy. Oh, that's the degree you need to, uh, to work for the IRS. Yeah, you're two for two. Pretty good. Uh, what does a zoologist do? Works in the zoo. Come on, give me a difficult one. Protoplasm. Oh, wait, I saw this on uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It's green and slimy and you spray copper sulfate on it. Ribonucleic. When a nuclear plant leaks into a riparian river. Okay, you're batting a thousand. Lightning round for all the money. What is mitochondrial? My, my, mitochondrial. Uh, a country song about toad disease? Perfect. You should pass with flying colors. 
Now go drop some trees and let me work in peace and quiet. Now back to what could possibly be the greatest ever rock bottom radio show. Because... And ain't no way you pronouncing it correct. You sound like you failed fifth grade. Well, let's ask Willie. He ought to know he writes radio shows. Ask me what? He says he's being asphyxiated and I'm trying to... It's asphyxiated. No, it ain't. I was trying to explain to Cletus' feeble mind that them women golfers out there was... Smothering you? Cutting off your oxygen? Because that's what asphyxiated means. Told you. You ain't listening. I wasn't talking about smothering or suffocating. I was talking about the Senior Ladies Golf Association. Now they treating me like I'm some kind of plaything. Uh, an object of carnival desire. You mean like the haunted house ride? Them women was yelling and whistling at me, and Miss Hornstealer told me I was hot and patted me on my bottom, and Miss Wellenmelon said I was on fire today, and... That's cause he was on fire. That ancient bunker ain't caught fire, and he just kept a-driving and a-raking and a-waving at them women like he's in a parade. That or... thing caught fire again? Yep, Miss Old Fool thinks them women was fixated on his hindquarters when all he's trying to do is hip him. Huh. That might explain why Betty Ann Fester shoved that fire extinguisher down my britches and pulled the trigger. I, I thought she was just, uh... You thought she was what? Uh, you know, marking her territory. Look, y'all go out there and tow that old bunker rake in, tell Buddy to put it in the junk pile, and then y'all go out and finish raking bunkers by hand. Oh, that's just great. You see what you did, you old fool? Hey, Willie, is Ms. Wellenmelon the single lady? Is it story time yet? Sort of. I'm about to reveal the rock-bottom secret for minimizing the stress that comes at us from the noise. Oh, you better get out of here then, cause them senior golfers will be here in an hour for the shotgun start dogfight skins game, and they'll be fighting over the results till dark. Okay, okay, I got it. I'll be back later. At last, peace and quiet. I had to slip away from all that noise in order to talk about how to minimize the effect the noise can have on your life. If you're not familiar with Rock Bottom Country Club noise theory, we're not discussing just the noise measured in decibels, but the overdose of input in our lives. I fell victim to it, especially during what some like to call the productive years, but somehow, in the middle of an avalanche of information spewed forth by the arrival of the net, I realized what was happening. And I managed to survive an ever-increasing storm of noise. And if you'll give me a few minutes, I'll tell you what I learned. As I look back on the post-hippie era, I see a time of confusion and chaos. The Vietnam War was finally over, and before anybody realized it, we were slammed with a big recession and inflation and wage and price controls, gasoline shortages, no jobs, and a president who had to resign. Our generation was besieged with media noise from radio and TV traffic noise from urban congestion and suburban sprawl that had resulted from decades of cheap oil. The noise chased us, blaring from speakers and screens. It, it indoctrinated us, using our teachers and employers and bureaucratic proclamations from government lifers, you know, those unelected individuals somehow anointed as our guide through life. The noise wore down our spirit. The recession created the beginnings of corporate servitude, and soon we reluctantly accepted the audible chaos as the price of success and 
owning essential things like cars and houses and insurance. But even back then, we could sense the beginnings of a resistance to the noise. I'm not talking about the current resistance cliche, which is actually the product of narrow thinking on both sides. Remember, no matter what the right wing says or what the left wing says, they both belong to the same bird. They use the noise. It keeps us occupied so as not to question. From corporate control of our representatives to hysterical intellectual depravity, their noise hammers us into a state of catatonia. We're unable to see a clear path. The current shrieking and howling and wailing over social and moral issues is not new. They've been doing it for decades. And they will keep shrieking as long as we listen. I first stopped listening after working in TV news. I raced around like my hair was on fire, contributing to the noise, just as hysterical as everyone else, until one day I discovered the stories were slanted, twisted, in order to evoke a particular reaction, and not just in one direction. I couldn't take it anymore, and I removed myself from the noise, retreating to the one place I knew was quiet and calm and capable of instilling peace, the forest especially those forests in the mountains. Without the sirens and the flashing lights and the horns honking and people yelling, things slowed down, and I became aware of something. I realized what I had accepted as the modern pace of life was actually just speeding up death. The stress of chasing credit and possessions and borrowing until I became an indentured servant owned by banks and manufacturers of things I really didn't need that stress was like some kind of cumulative death ray. Combined with noise and worry, stress had made life intolerable. Human nervous systems are not capable of handling massive amounts of input. All the depressing noise from all over the world is just too much for our system that's basically designed to handle mostly the news of our own village, our little tribe, not the entire globe. The global corporate noise ensures that we are exposed to acts of terror and horror that previous generations only saw in person, and fairly limited. Mass migrations, historically the result of invasions triggered by drought or famine, appear to be caused by unrestrained geopolitical interventions or planned destabilizations to acquire a region's resources. Images, accompanied by the noise of pundits from both sides, yelling at us to watch, well, they flash by at hyperspeed. We become infected with extreme impatience, craving more and faster stimuli, less delay, no interruptions, more data. And as a result, enduring all this noise has created in many of us an internal deafness. There are people in our society, damaged people, who are unable to navigate through the insane matrix of noise and given the wrong bit of information, combined with mind-altering chemicals, they go haywire. This internal deafness affects the moral compass of those we refer to as normal. In turn, it allows the corporate ad geniuses to penetrate our defenses, the vanishing barrier of common sense we once used for protection. They design apps to be addictive, triggering the need to check our phones 150 times a day, and because of our internal deafness, they can freely admit they've done this. The corporatocracy, wielding the noise, achieved the status of a new religion, corporatism. So, what are we supposed to do? 
Well, we could try turning off the noise, but how? It's going to be tough, because when we were busy working in the required two-income workforce, they went after our kids. The children were soaked in an ever-increasing wave of noise from an early age using TV, educational computer programs, and eventually social media on the ever-present phone. When we discovered the kids were plagued with a new and mysterious inability to pay attention for more than four seconds, our overlords demanded we medicate the kids with stimulants, you know, to help them concentrate, to pay attention. Stimulants crank up the internal noise and increase the potential for boredom. Children down through history have never really been very good at paying attention, especially when you lock them in a building all day suffering indoctrination designed by often childless experts in education. Their solution was to aim more noise at the kids disguised as education, and this just exacerbated the problem. They fixed the mounting problems by adding more tech, and that led to TMT, or too much tech. I'm not talking about the looming invasion of the robots, but the cold reality of tech in total control. The dream of living in the world of George Jetson will probably turn out to be more of an Orwellian nightmare than a dream. Each step deeper into tech removes us from a natural existence and thrusts us ever closer to a synthetic life of digital internal noise. Look at the modern woodsman, the last vestige of a human with some kind of natural link to the earth. Even the woodsman has been corrupted with TMT. Hunters no longer read the land. They need digital maps and GPS to find their way home. They haul electronic gear with them, thermographic scopes, gadgets, synthetic chemicals. Even those who consider themselves closest to the land, the bow hunters. Many of those guys hunt with a bow that more closely resembles a machine. Some modern people of the outdoors are so brainwashed by the corporate noise that they go deep in debt because they feel they need giant trucks the size of panzer tanks and high-speed bass boats with sonar to further expedite competitive fish genocide. And all this at the price of a small house. High-tech fisher people wear uniforms to create an identity as a professional fish catcher. Because of all this corporate ad propaganda noise, Modern man prances around in whatever costume their particular splinter of society requires as an identifier. You see, the noise demands we identify ourselves. We must seek an acceptable social identity, at least until they convince us to volunteer for our subcutaneous chip. It's not possible to discuss the shortcomings of the modern outdoors person without considering that other human, the urbanite, the most noise-conditioned human in existence. Absorbing constant digital signals, the urbanites spend their days desperately trying not to offend others, the greatest sin of modern times. Of these urbanites, it's the male that suffers the most. Required to tiptoe around narrow, ever-constricting rules of social conduct, city males have absorbed so much noise that, in order to deflect the onslaught, they began to dress like the female. They adopted their interests and even mimicked female speech patterns. Now, well, we've become a synthetic people. We eat synthesized food and clamor for synthesized body parts because corporatism made it easy for us to become a fat, lazy, sedentary people with the diseases of a sedentary life. We're addicted to drugs to improve our sour moods, moods put there by being sedentary, we can't rely on our medical providers anymore because they aren't trained to practice preventative medicine, and what's worse, 
They linked arms with insurance accountants. The noise continues to hammer us into acceptance of this situation, as if any plan from D.C. studied with acronyms is for our benefit. But we are waking up. We're learning to stop staring at the shiny chip in our hands every minute of the day. You can turn off the noise using deflection. We deflect the barrage of noise coming at us by finding our quiet place. The noise cannot reach me in my quiet place. Maybe for you, your quiet place is a library or your den, or maybe it's going for a run or swimming, skiing fresh powder, whatever it is. You have to make an aggressive attempt to find the quiet, listen to it, feel it. Our favorite method of deflection is known as boots and ruck. It's a simple military philosophy that boils down to boots and ruck can take you places the vehicles can't reach. Boots and ruck, well, that's why the most important selection qualifier for Army Special Forces and Army Rangers is the ability to cover distance on foot, navigating with a compass, while carrying everything you need for up to 10 days without a resupply. Boots and Ruck differs from what the modern outfitter stores sell as the forest experience. Corporatism saw us slipping off into the forest, and they followed us and began pushing a style of hiking based on the current coolest, hippest practitioner of hiking, the long trail through hiker. The through hiker of today has special equipment needs in order to go as fast as possible. They identify themselves as ultralight hikers, and their system works because they can cover the entire Appalachian Trail in 120 days or less, as opposed to the traditional six months. But there are other factors at work here. For instance, if your sole purpose for being out there is hammering down the trail, covering as much ground as possible, as fast as possible, you aren't going to see much nature. Just your feet, and the trail immediately in front of your feet. It's kind of like road bike racing, you know, Tour de France style. You can cover a lot of miles, but all you're going to see is the tires and butts in front of you. Maybe every now and then you glance down at your gears, but most of the time it's head down and drive on. That's essentially what thru-hikers do. Head down, drive on. Also, ultralight trail hiking requires a pattern of much more frequent resupply, which means returning to the matrix at frequent intervals. They head into the nearest town at every opportunity. It's credit card hiking. Plus, there is a heavy reliance on the Postal Service, shuttles, hitchhiking, and some even expect others to provide free rides and meals. They don't use boots, just a form of ballerina slipper with lug soles, and these wear out every 500 miles, as opposed to a couple of years for a modern synthetic boot with a special waterproof barrier that's great for developing trench foot. Or you can get 20 years out of a good pair of leather boots, but the corporates will ridicule you for that choice. The reason I went off on this tangent is this. If you find yourself out on the long trails, perhaps enjoying a short day hike or a three-day camping trip, you might run across ultralight hikers of the thru-hiker mentality, and while some of them will be friendly, there are a few that'll berate you for your heavy boots and ruck and clothes. Of course, these are the same folks who'll be freezing at night, and in dire circumstances will guilt you and plead with you for some of your stupidly heavy gear that you toted in. Some of the thru-hikers have an elitist mentality, and they probably need that to help them keep going for 2,000 miles. But we must not let them set the standard. They are specialists, a niche market of sorts, that the corporate hiking and camping equipment suppliers have latched onto in order to sell you expensive gear. Don't fall for it. You can do very well with affordable, heavy, military surplus gear on a short-distance three-day camping trip. You'll have a lot of fun, and... 
If you avoid the long trails, you'll find the quiet. On the long trails, you'll find lots of people and noise and partying and an attitude of, I'm a thru-hiker, you owe me, you know, I need free food and hotels. Bodell actually heard that one on the AT last year. People go to the forest to extract themselves from the matrix. But the long trails are not the place to find the quiet. The corporates have injected the long trails with the matrix. The car camping spots are not where you will find the quiet, just more noise and headlights in the middle of the night and radios and lots of drinking. You have to go to the lesser known areas, and it'll be difficult because the matrix does not want to release you. But Boots and Ruck can take you to these quiet places. There are many backpackers who know where these quiet places are. They might not tell you in order to keep it quiet, but they're out there, and if you work hard, you can find them. Boots and Ruck are reliable, even in ice and snow, in situations where the techno support system just isn't available. If you are mentally dependent on the techno support system, you should probably stay in the matrix and adapt to the constant noise. But if you truly seek the quiet, then here's the secret I made you wait for. Well, it wouldn't have been worth it if I just gave it to you at the start of this diatribe, right? First, before you buy gear and head into the forest, try this method I've used for almost 40 years. It's the go sit quietly in the woods for 30 minutes technique. Now, deer hunters are already aware of how this works, so if you need verification of what I'm about to reveal, check with your family deer hunter. There are variations of this method, like the go for a walk with no electronics, or day hike into the forest for what uh, that Japanese researcher, I can't think of his name, he, he calls it forest bathing, it's on YouTube. He has proof of lowered blood pressure, reduced hypertension, uh, it works for migraines. There's also slow mountain biking or walking nine holes in late afternoon alone, preferably on somebody else's golf course. There are other ways to heal your spirit in nature, but the go sit quietly method, well, something special happens with that one. Here's what you do. Find a patch of woods. It doesn't have to be wilderness. It might even be alongside your golf course, as long as it's not woods that belong to some fairway side homeowner. Go out into the woods with no phone or radio. Rock bottom theory states that phones emit a high frequency squealing that runs off the animals. Then find yourself a nice spot to sit down. Take a backpacker's sleeping pad with you and sit on a log or lean up against it or sit on the ground if it's free of fire ants. Wintertime is the best for this. Then don't move for 30 minutes. At first, the forest will appear dead, no movement. But after a while, the forest and its inhabitants will forget about you and how you interrupted things, and everything comes back to life. Be patient, keep still, and watch. The birds and the squirrels and even the deer will start moving around after about 30 minutes. And if you remain motionless, the animals will even get close to you. You might learn things you didn't already know, like I've had deer walk within a few feet of me. Squirrels run across my boots. I had an owl fly so close I could have touched his wing. Once a red-tailed hawk came weaving through the forest at ground level, zoomed up to a branch about two feet above my head, and he sat there for at least a minute scanning the area for dinner when he suddenly looked down and made eye contact with me. He did a comical double take and leaped backwards off the branch, flapping in panic mode, trying to escape the weird-looking tree stump. You know, I still laugh about that one. When you do finally move, because you have to go back to the Matrix, the entire forest will explode in alarm. 
Blue jays and crows will scream warnings, squirrels will bark, any nearby large animal will bound away and vanish in seconds, and things will be deathly quiet again as you walk out. Again, this is something deer hunters are very familiar with. And even if they didn't take a deer, they walk out of the forest with that gift of quiet. Short-term camping is full of opportunity to experience this 30 minutes of silence. It might require minimal contact with the altar of consumerism matrix in order to gear up, travel to, and pay for the experience, but it's worth it. Boots and ruck camping has a few requirements, mostly of a mental nature. Uh, you must adapt to the boots and the ruck. Uh, you need to harden your body, your feet, your legs, your hips and shoulders, and your attitude. You don't have to walk 2,000 miles. You just have to go out in the forest and settle in, wait for the quiet. Absorb the spirit of the place. Move at the pace of the forest. See everything from a calm, unhurried rhythm. Don't rush to set a record having fun. If you're camping in the backwoods, remember this. It can take up to four days for your spirit to disconnect from the noise. So cut yourself some slack. Be patient. Now, some people prefer meditation to the forest. Some combine the two. While it's true that meditation is calming, by itself it won't provide you with the endorphins that a tough physical ruck march can give you. And endorphins, being a natural opiate released from your brain, will induce a special glowing calm that makes the forest seem surreal. If this method doesn't sound feasible or is too difficult to match your current lifestyle, there are others that work well too, like the previously mentioned mountain bike. It can get you deep in the woods quickly, albeit with a little bit of noise. And there's trail running or lake swimming or walking nine alone, but keep this in mind. The matrix demands you seek artificial goals and artificial social requirements. It imparts altered mental states while promising a techno-utopia, complete with the freedom of convenient subcutaneous chips. But really, it's all just a form of comfortable slavery. So if it's noise you want, well, the Matrix is a place to get it. But I suggest Boots and Rock. You've been listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the TurfNet zone. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.